Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Awesome. Um, you guys sound beautiful, by the way. Um, so before I get started here today, uh, my name is Kirk Knutson. Uh, I wanted to take us back a little bit. The changing of the seasons and everything like that is, makes me a little bit nostalgic, probably makes you guys nostalgic as well. And uh, I want to take us back to the first moment somebody asked us the question, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? Somebody's having fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? That, that was, you know, it was a crazy question when you were a little kid because there's so many possibilities, right? Um, and most of them, if we're honest, were probably like caricatures of what they were. Like, you know, most people wanted to be like a firefighter or an astronaut. Like that was one of the options. Um, no, no NASA training or anything. Just like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut. Uh, roll out of bed. Uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, all, the, all those things. And so when I was a kid, uh, that, that was a very impactful question. And it's crazy. It's, you know, this is the, usually the first time we get asked a question that's really deep for humanity. Uh, it's a very pressing question. That is, what is the meaning of life? Right? It's a form of that. What impact are you individually going to have on the world? What is your meaning in this existence? And it's a huge question, right? Especially, I mean, if you think of just our lives and where we are right now, if you, if you think back to where you were and you think about where you are now, I mean, how many astronauts are there, right? There's <laughs> quite a few now, but I mean, not as many as there probably wanted to be, right? It's a huge thing. But as we get older, I think there's a deeper aspect to this question because it starts to become more intense. It starts to become more serious. What is really the meaning of life? Not just my meaning of life, although that's important. What is the meaning? Why, why is there life? And, and sometimes we get this, this question because life gets hard and we start to reflect and things don't check out the way we thought they would. Uh, there's a famous author uh, named Viktor Frankl, and he was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, he was in an internment camp, I believe Auschwitz, uh, and he wrote a book, so if you Google this, <laughs> he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in it, it it's amazing because from his experience, you, you think of what the meaning of life is for somebody who uh, got put in a concentration camp and it, it's far and away, far and away from what our existence is. You know, it, it's one thing as a kid to think, you know, what is, you know, in, in our little way, what is the meaning of life? What, what do I want to be when I grow up? And then when you start facing the realities of existence, and then when things get extremely hard in certain circumstances for certain people, you start to even wonder, is there a purpose? Is there a meaning? Uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, when he, in his foreword here to his book, he, he gets asked often, and he talks about this, 
um, how do you feel about being a best-selling author? A lot of people apparently wanted to buy his book. And he says this, he says, <clears throat> I do not at all see the bestseller status of my book so much as an achievement, an accomplishment on my part, as an expression of the misery of our time. If hundreds of thousands of people reach out for a book whose very title promises to deal with the question of a meaning to life, it must be a question that burns under their fingernails. And that's in a time where, you know, he's writing this right after the war, right? And there's people who are paid to be typists. And nowadays we do that for fun. I mean, we, we think with our fingers. Imagine how much it's burning under our fingernails now. And the fact that, that even after that, after that, people coming home from war, people being actually put in camps and seeing their family die, and we get to here and people are still facing agony, it's, it's amazing. We're, we're not, we in our society are not going through those trials and tribulations, and yet we still have those questions. It means it's important. Um, and so, as we've been going through this series of, you know, Googling God, basically, we've seen Jason talk about uh, who God is, right? Why is there evil? And how, how there could even be a good God in light of that? And I have the most important question, which is the meaning of life. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that being said, I'm going to pray and we can, we can get right into this question. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity just to navigate this question. Father, I know this is something that um, burns in our minds from time to time and, and comes up at, in the least expected moments, oftentimes in, in trials. And Father, I just pray that we can navigate this, this question with sincerity and humility. And Father, we can consider those in our lives and our lives as well, uh, the people who are, are going through these circumstances and these questions and wrestling. And Father, I just, I just pray that your word can provide some much-needed clarity in this area. And I pray to be useful in that endeavor. I pray all this in your Holy Son's name. Amen. So, if I can start with my search. Um, you know, when I got asked that question when I was a kid, I, I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot to look up to. My grandparents on both sides of my family were missionaries overseas. And, I mean, I grew up at the, the table, and when they'd come to visit, um, I'd hear crazy stories, you know, uh, just death and disease and adventure. Um, it, it sounded kind of fake when I was growing up, right? It sounded like a storybook. Um, my dad was, after, after graduating from college, he, w he went to South America as an archaeologist and did that for a while. And then he moved back to the States and became a chemist. He's a smart dude. Um, my mom was a nurse. And uh, I, I'm mentally afraid to this day of like hospitals and whatever because she would take me to house visits. She was a trach nurse. And I, I still remember seeing like a little girl attached to a big machine helping her breathe. And I just, it, looking back, it, it's almost like, you know, when somebody asks you what you want to do when you grow up at that age and you, and you have those influences in your life, you're like, ooh, the bar's kind of high. <laughs> Astronaut, you know? 
<laughs> Put me down for your answer. No, it's, but it, it's crazy, right? Like you have such high expectations. Um, and so w- when I thought of this question, I thought, you know, it, it's gotta be the most important thing. Whatever you do, it's gotta be the most important thing. And so I thought, and I racked my brain, and you know, even as a kid, I was like, if the most important thing in existence is God, I didn't, maybe didn't know the word existence, but <laughs> is God, it would make sense that serving him in some capacity or doing whatever he would want is the most important thing. And I thought of that as a kid. Um, you know, and I've had my journey and, and different things, but it, it's crazy to think about that being the bar, right? I have to do something. And I had this pressure all my life to do something amazing. Um, and I think a lot of us have this pressure, even if we don't have, you know, family members, I place, some of us do, uh, you know, some wealthy people, we look at them as, as kind of sinister villains sometimes, and yet look, look at what they have oftentimes as their, as their bar, you know, of achievement, what they have to do, and there's so much pressure. And we have that too. Every single person, to a person, you are the person in your life. You're the, you're the person in your life that has to make that kind of decision. What do I do? What is my purpose? Um, we don't think about always the other person. We think about what, what it means to us, right? What is my purpose in life? And everybody has their own high bar. Uh, in researching this, I, I tried to find ancient sources to kind of, um, you know, pit against scripture and kind of look at what, what other people kind of consider the meaning of life. And I came across... Um, a question, what is best in life? And an ancient source said this, he said, um, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Uh, <laughs> it's from Conan the Barbarian. Conan PhD, I, I sometimes get those mixed up, but uh, this is, <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, I didn't say that when I was a kid, right? <laughs> that wasn't my purpose. It's probably not your purpose as well. This is a pretty barbaric um, (laughs) purpose of life. But what's interesting about it is it has individual intention. Somebody could try to live this out. And not only that, but a community can as well. You probably need a community to do this, unless you're Conan the Barbarian. But (laughs) there's communal aspect to this as well. And, And this is really where the wrestle is. Is the big question your meaning for life? Or is the big question, what is humanity's meaning for life? I think they're both important, but I think you have to answer them in a particular order. Uh, before we do that, I want to I lay some groundwork here. Um, Vic, talking about going, going back to like our meaning, um, Viktor Frankl again, you know, I, I couldn't imagine living that life um, he, t- he has a thing where he talks about um, this effeminate, like, you know, <laughs> Nazi soldier. I think, like, Colonel Klink and Hogan's Heroes were <laughs> like, holding his elbow and walking down the row and just kind of flippantly going like this to one row, left and then right, left and right, walking down. And he said, this guy, what, what's this guy doing? And everybody's kind of, like, looking at it in awe. And he's like, you know, it was later when I found out he was deciding who would work and who would die. And, and it's a simple gesture. That little, little gesture meant somebody's life coming to an end. 
what's interesting is he says this. Uh, Victor, Victor Frankl says this. He, he says, to live is to suffer. To suffer is to find meaning in the suffering. If there is a purpose in life at all, there must be a purpose in suffering and dying. But no man can tell another what this purpose is. Each must find out for himself and must accept the responsibility that answer prescribes. If he succeeds, he will continue to grow in spite of all indignities. Now, with all due respect to Victor, Victor Frankl, he's obviously a way smarter guy than me, but I have to disagree. I have to disagree. It can't be that way. And, and I can prove it. Um, Hitler, you know, this, this old hat, he was doing what he wanted to do. He was living his purpose. That cannot be the best for him. Like, that cannot be the good. It can't be. It's evil. It can't, it can't be our will first. It can't be. Um, let, let, let me go through this real quick. Um, first, I want to talk about uh, a, couple of, a couple of key components to our search for meaning, okay? And it, and it has to come down to God's purpose and our purpose, God's will and our will, okay? First, if we consider God's will in our lives, um, here's a silly illustration. Um, each line is a will. If you consider the fact that God has a will for everything, um, it's important to consider that. It's important... It, I don't want to blow past what God's will is. In fact, I think that's the most important aspect here. God's will is perfect. There is a desire that God has. Not only is there a desire God has, there is some aspect where God gets what he wants. We know this because at one point there was not creation and God created. He got what he wanted. Not only that, but there was one point that we can read about in scripture, that God is going to get what he wants in the end. God calls his shots. And if God calls his shots, that means his will gets carried out. And so we need, to, we need to have that in our mind frame when we consider this. But I do want to be careful. I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds of thinking that every little ability, every little decision that we make ends up becoming God's dis ultimate decision to make happen. And we get in this w the weeds of determinism and fatalism, and then we go, well, I don't have free will anyway. And I don't want us to get lost in that because think about it. You can choose against God. We all do, every single day at least, <laughs> right? We all choose against God's will, and therefore, there is something free about our decisions. And that's why we have to consider man's will. Because there is a purpose God has for us. There is a desire, and we'll get to that. But we can't negate the fact that we have a will too. And I think this answers a lot of questions that we've been going through. Uh, consider this. Um, just for the sake of getting it out of the way, if anybody is on the fence of Christianity and they're not sure if this is uh, a path, you know, if you're, if you're shaking your fist at God, you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. There's evil. We talked about it. Yikes. Um, 
sure they're not talking that way, but uh, if there's anybody who is an atheist and just rejecting God outright because of the evil in the world, I want us to consider something. Take God away. Now, Holocaust. Evil? Or just random accidents that just so happen to happen? Um, you know, sickness and disease, um, loss in general, loss of job, of loved ones, uh, horrible things that we experience, can we truly call them evil? Can we truly call them evil? Or, or is this just the way things are? I mean, think about it. Boom, big explosion at the beginning of all things. Nothing to something, I guess. And fast forward how many years in the future, and you have somehow on this little rock, maybe somewhere else, you have life from non-life. Not sure how, but we get it. And then fast forward even longer, and you have humanity from non-human at some point. And it's random. Just so happened to get there. Explosion after explosion, mistake after mistake, random accident after random accidents, you have zero person to shake your fist at. That's the way things are. And some people who come to this conclusion and they think in this way, you know, atheism is fun for young people, I guess, to, to you know, strike at some ultimate man, I suppose. Um, and then people start to get philosophical about it. And then you start to go like this. Wait a minute. If there's no order, if there's only chaos and destruction and death, yeah, there's good, but it's really in between. I have probably more bad days than good days, to be honest. And it keeps happening. The alarm keeps going off, and I keep waking up to this miserable existence. And, and nothing matters, and it's the same. Uh, it, everything matters to the same degree, whether I live or die. I'd rather die, because at least I don't have to go through this miserable, horrible existence every single day. Happy Sunday. Um, <laughs> this, this, is, this is real. This is real. What do you do with somebody who came out of the Holocaust like Viktor Frankl and say, um, whoops, it was an accident. It's just a series of chaotic events, and there's no hope. There's no, there's no objective purpose to this. There's no ultimate just, you know, justice for Hitler. There, there's nothing. It's dark. And, and, and here's the thing. None of us truly believe that's true. None of us truly want that. We play so many tricks in our mind, and, and, and I'll give you... I'll, I'll give you another example of this. You know people want good and not bad. You know people want purpose and not because they'd rather put the gun in their mouth than go through the horrible existence to keep continuing. That's the escape, they want the better. They're, they're showing their value. They want the better. They're wrong about what that is, but that's what they want. See what I'm saying? This is, this is our desire, we know, we, there, we know there's something greater than us out there and there's a purpose for us out there. The question then becomes, 
what is there? And now we come here together because we believe in this and we know that there's purpose behind this, but we, we still should talk about this. We, should, we, we as the church should still talk about what our purpose is because sometimes I think we get lost. And it happens, I do too. Every, every single person in this world is limited and we all, all the time get lost in the rat race and all the things and we forget about our purpose. So I want to talk about that today. First of all, there is a general purpose for man, for all men, not just Christians, everybody, from the dawn of time to now. And this is to glorify God. Very simple. We know this because, again, if you fast forward to the book of Revelation, you see everybody doing that, and that's all they want to do, and all, all we'll do forever is worship, showing glory. You also know that now because the Bible tells us often that Nature is just doing that, right? A bird singing is the bird literally worshiping God. Its existence is worship. The rocks cry out, right? The, the stars sing. This is what they do. Their mere existence, they don't have a will of their own. They are showing the reflection of, what they, of God's will, of what they need to do, glorify. And that's ours too. Now, that doesn't happen often, right, if we're honest. Um, usually our priorities are, are, you know, needs first, and that, that's true to the dawn of time. And then we, when we have our needs met, we kind of get to God maybe down the road after coffee, right, <laughs> or what have you. This is the idea, right? Um, so we have, first of all, our, our purpose is to glorify God. Uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes this. He says the the... Basically, the chief end of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. And that's in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Paul later says in the New Testament, he says, So whether you eat, drink, uh, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Uh, I believe it in Galatians, he also says, Whatever you do, do hardly unto the Lord. So everything we do should be in glory. Everything we do should be in glory. Again, high bar. <laughs> Right? High bar. Not, I'm not always there. So I'm not saying, like, that's it. Let's go. Everybody do ev literally everything to, to the glory of God. But that's the goal. That's the goal. And that's before you're a Christian. So we have a general purpose, guys. We do. That is that will. That is that will of God. Now, here's the question, though. And this is where we kind of get more particular. What about us? as the church. We're a subset of humanity. We're a redeemed subset of humanity. So yeah, we get the glory thing and we're on that track. So how do we do that exactly? And for that, I go to two passages in scripture, generally. Obviously, there's a lot more than this, but I usually try to keep the big things big and then I try and fit everything else in um, to follow, right? Big rocks first, little rocks, sand, water, all that stuff. The two big kind of ideas that we need to keep in our mind as Christians are the great commandment and the great commission. They're great for a reason, right? The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? This is our particular goal as Christians, love, Love God first, get that out of the way with our whole being, and love others. 
Now notice, there's an extremely important person in your lives who's missing from that equation. <laughs> what about me? Right? Where's my love? Your love is not in the picture right now because you are already loved by God. Your love does not benefit you in any way. Your love for yourself is not um, effective to anything other than the fact that um, you understanding your value, right? If you really think of the gospel, the Son of God, the Son of God exchanged his life for yours, I think that means you're pretty valuable to God, right? That, that's basically it. You are extremely valuable to God. And so you do have value. You are loved. But your job is not to love yourself, contrary to what the world tells us often. It usually puts us first. And I've, I've heard the adage, if you don't love yourself, how can you love others? And there's truth a little bit to that, in the sense that you don't want to think of yourself as a complete waste of space, right? <laughs> we want to get off that like nihilistic track that, that I was talking about before. We have to realize we're treasured. But remember, our objective is to love outward. Love. And I think we get lost in America because we, we don't put that first. We often put the love of self, right? That's what we put first. And I would disagree. God, neighbor. Not only that, but the Great Commission. Okay, now we, we love, okay? That's the big one. What do we do next? We go. He says, go into the earth, Right, baptizing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all things I've commanded you. Now, for those of you who are like, oh, now I've got to be a missionary. I've got to go, oh, the bar is high again. Well, going looks different to everybody. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But don't hear that and think all nations mean you, you literally have to hit up every single nation before you die. Go now, right? <laughs> like, that's a lot of nations. Are you serious? Um, you need a passport that's real thick. That, that's what that looks like. No, <laughs> um, but going is particular to you. You are a missionary if you're a Christian. You are to go. The question is where? And it could be in your community. I mean, think about it. If God has a will and you're here now, are, are you where you feel burdened to be? Are you where you feel burdened to be? If that's the case, then you're a missionary here. If you're feeling called elsewhere, be there. Be there. I've moved around a lot in my life. Be there. If it's here, be here. If this is your go, this is your go. Does that make sense? We... We are to be missionaries wherever we are. It's not because I have a microphone. I'm now a missionary. I, I mean, I know plenty of missionaries who would love a microphone. <laughs> but it's, 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 I'm, I'm you. I'm with you. We're all on this journey together. We're all missionaries. All of us. In fact, um, that's one of the core values of this church. Right? First of all, the great commandment, love God, love others. That's a core value here. Love is a core value of this church. It's what the church gives us as marching orders to do, 
right? This is what this body, this particular local assembly wishes upon us, is to go and love. Another one is, uh, for the Great Commission, multiply, don't maintain. We just sent Nick off, Pastor Nick and Don, off. And there's a lot of pain with that. And it's frustrating in a lot of ways. But again, as Pastor Jason has said, that, that's the goal. It hurts, but that's the goal. If it's the goal, it's kind of weird that it hurts, but that's what it is. Right? There is a modicum of suffering. But you can't, you can't avoid that. At some time, we have to leave what's comfortable. We have a mission. Um, now, all man is to glorify God. We as Christians are particularly to follow the great commandment and the great commission with all the other things that include that in, in the scriptures. But those are two main big prerogatives, right? Here's a frustrating question. Now what do you do? <laughs> How do you fit in that? And I think this is a huge question for the church because I think some people are asking what is the will or, or what is the meaning of life broadly, not knowing to look to God. Those of us who look to God and look in Christ, now we go, okay, what is God's will for me in my life? <clears throat> I think we're already frustrated enough to know what we want to do because there's a lot of options, just like when we were kids. But now, there's pressure. <laughs> now we have marching orders. And we're like, oh, no, no, what do, I, uh, what do I do? Now we have to think, and, and this is the hard part, this is, this is the part where I don't have an easy answer. Where do you fit in that schema? So I have a couple things here. One, I want you at some point this week to take inventory. If, if you are comfortable where you are in the sense of you, you, not that you're comfortable like in a beanbag chair with like a, a fruity drink or whatever, but like if you in your life know exactly where, where God has you, bypasses <laughs> for the rest of us here's some things to take inventory of this week okay first god blessed you with a nature god blessed you with a nature you are the only you that has ever existed um in in many ways one your nature is your genetics it's it's what you have right I'm obviously a dwarf uh, from Lord of, Lord of the Rings. Um, no, I'm, just um, I'm Gimli. No, um, no. Uh, we all have our genetics, right? We can't all be Shaq, but you know, we, we all have our our the things we are born with, right? Our ethnicities, our gender, different things. We can't change that. That is what we have. We also have nurture. Nurture is the environment in which we've been born, right? Our family life. Um, location, right? Time is part of that. I can't help that I'm a 21st century person born in the Midwest. And I look like it, right? That's, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's, I can't help it. Can't help it. Now, here's the deal. We can modify these things a little bit. Your, your nature can get stronger, like Pastor Nick, right? <laughs> you can become smarter, you can go to school, you can put yourself, uh, you can be like Abe Lincoln and teach yourself some really amazing things in order to, to be where God has you. For your nurture, you can move, like I said, you can, you can go to another area, you can't help where you start, but you can 
for a lot of a lot of part help where you finish. Not always. Not all of us are made of money to do all these options and different things like that. But we can stick our mind to doing something on our mission. So we have those things. Take inventory in your life what those things are and how you can be put in the position that God has you. There's another aspect too, though, for those of us who are in Christ, because everybody gets that. Now we have another kind of bag of tricks that we get piled on top of us to help make this decision, and that is we have spiritual gifts. And the spiritual gifts, and here's the hard part, these things uh, God blesses us with, not for our own benefit, again, not for our self-love. It's for the church. Meaning this, and this is something that, that we always try to impress onto people who are um, not sure of serving and where they want to be and different things like that. The church needs you. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church needs you. If you are not plugged in somewhere, I don't care if it's here, I don't care if it's down the road, I don't care if it's in China, wherever you go, the church needs you. If you're a Christian, the church needs you. So if you're at home, and that's the only place you worship, the body suffers. The body suffers. And that's just a truism. It's not to, not to guilt trip or anything, but it, it, it's true, right? Paul talks about it. He says, we need hands, we need feet, we need all these things, and if we're missing a hand, we're doomed. <laughs> we need the elbow. We need, we need the whole, the hand bone's connected to the arm bone. I don't know. We need it all. We need it all. And need not would prefer, need. That means it's important that no matter where you meet, you meet with somebody else who's a like, like-minded believer because the church needs you in some way. So if that helps you make your decision <laughs> of where your purpose is, we have our grand purpose. Right? We love God no matter your experience, God is worthy of your love. That's what our mission is. We love, we love our neighbors. No matter where we find ourselves, we can love those around us. Pretty simple. And we go. Even if going means here, it's got to be somewhere. Take inventory. Pause. I know it's not the American way, but pause this week. Consider, think about. It was easy when we were kids and we thought, man, when I grow up, right, one day when I grow up, and then life happens, and now we're here. And many of us in this room are farther beyond me, and you're probably like, oh, man, you just wait. <laughs> just wait. I'm uncomfortable now. I, I, I still have that high bar. But you know what's crazy is now instead of looking at my father and thinking, man, I have to compete with being an archaeologist and a chemist, now I have my father's work. And his bar is set exactly where I am. Same with you. Um, today we get to, um, oh yeah, conforming our will to God's will. That's what it should look like. Forming our will to God's will. That's the key. Um, today we get to participate in communion. Um, as the uh, ushers come forward, 
um, I can pray, but uh, I want us to do something today. I want us to, as we come and get the elements, I want us to take a time uh, as the musicians play today to, you know, oftentimes communion is a time where we can reflect on our sins and bring those to God, and I want us to do that too, but maybe take inventory. Maybe think, God, where have you wanted me? Where do I need to submit and put my will aside and conform it to yours? This is, I think, the question that people are trying to search, and we have the answer. Let's not waste it. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.